0: I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, we'll be looking at verse 7 through chapter 12, verse 8. And as the preacher draws towards his closing, we only have one more week in Ecclesiastes, but as he's drawing towards his closing, he turns his attention specifically to those younger listeners, and so maybe much of what has been said has gone over their heads or was difficult for them to see its application in their own lives. Maybe many of your children have asked questions about the book of Ecclesiastes, and it's been sometimes difficult to even convey what's being expressed, but here this passage is direct, directly targeting them. And so, he wants to ensure that they hear him at this point. And so, children, do I have your attention? This is primarily for you. But he knows, Solomon knows, or the author, the preacher, as we've been calling him, knows that there are parents and grandparents listening in, And this this is partly your responsibility to instruct them, to help them to understand these things. These are truths that we all need to grasp. And so before we read it, let's ask the Lord for his help in understanding it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this passage. We wish we had heard that when we were young. Or we wish we had thought more seriously, taken that instruction more seriously. But we pray that you would preserve the children among us. That you would help them to hear this and to apply its truth. That they would take this to heart. And we know that's only possible if your spirit gives them eyes to see the truth, gives them ears to hear it, softens their hearts to understand it. And so do that work by your spirit. Do a work of regeneration this morning. We would give you all the glory for it, recognizing it is by your revelation, by your spirit, and even by the gift of faith that you've granted, that any hearts would be changed, transformed from darkness into the kingdom of light. We know that's your desire, that is our desire. And so be glorified in that work even now. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Look with me at Ecclesiastes 11, verse 7. Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few, and those who look through the windows are dimmed. And the doors on the streets are shut or on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along and desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. And the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. A vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. Amen. This is God's holy word. Well, here is another call to enjoy life. And it says that in verse 9 specifically, Rejoice, O young man, in the days of your youth. But it's couched in the reality of aging and death. Right? How do we deal with growing old? I remember weeping as a child at the thought of Dying fearful of growing old, wanting to stay young forever. Right? As you grow old, you experience things like midlife crises. crises. Right? You go out and buy a Lamborghini. You change your clothes and your hairstyle and you start acting differently. Right? You, you become a new person trying to bring some youth back into your life. Anti-aging cream can only hide the process for so long, quite ineffectively. At some point, we have to face the music. Taking a realistic view of life, however, teaches us to appreciate the giver of life. I think that's what his goal here is in this passage And in fact, I think we can summarize all of Scripture as God helping his people to remember what he has done for them. God helping his people to remember what he's done for them. One passage in particular, Numbers chapter 15, verse 39, says Moses is instructing the people, God's given Moses this instruction to give to the people to put tassels on their garments And it says that, and it shall be a tassel for you to look at and remember all the commandments of the Lord, to do them, not to follow after your own heart and your own eyes, which you are inclined to whore after. So you shall remember and do all my commandments and be holy to your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. It's a reminder. They set up Ebenezer's stone so that their children would ask them about the work of god in the past and he'd given him their the word to meditate upon to memorize and to reflect upon so that they might remember what god had done for them and we find this from genesis to revelation right this call and so i think in this passage what i would say is experiencing true joy in life and again remember this is for Those who are young, experiencing true joy in life begins with remembering your creator. It begins with this call to remember. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. And so this opening section, verses 7 through 10 of chapter 11, is a call to enjoy bright days while you are young. Enjoy bright days while you're young. Listen to verses seven and eight again. Light is sweet and it's pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. So think about that. He's saying light is is sweet and it's good. It's pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. He's not saying, hey, kids, go outside and stare into the sun. That, That wouldn't be so good. That wouldn't be so pleasant. Be painful and cause harm to your eyes. But his point is enjoy God's creation. Get outside. Enjoy the sunlight. The sun is good for you. And rejoice all your life in these days that he's given you. But he also gives this caveat here to remember that many dark days exist. He's not naive, and he's not so optimistic about the lives that children live that they would never experience dark days, even in their youth. One author in her book, No Place to Cry, Doris Van Stone, or known as Dory, talks about her earliest memories of taking care of her younger sister. She was six years old, and she would often have her mom come home, and her mom would hug her younger sister, Marie, ignoring Dory. She says, I was only six, but I knew deep pain. We often went to bed hungry. We often went to bed hungry. But the pain of an empty stomach was more bearable than the emotional hurt of rejection and hatred. This is a a painful book to read. And, and this is like literally page two. But she says, I was never held, touched, or cuddled. And she says, I knew I was different, ugly, and a burden to my mother. And for some of you, This is the sad reality that dark days are what you remember most vividly about your past. And so, this call to rejoice, this call to enjoy life falls flat. But he's not being naive, he's not assuming you've never experienced dark days. And if you're a child who, who doesn't have those dark experiences, you should be filled with gratitude. But you should also prepare and know that they are ahead. But here's the message he gives to you. Don't let the dark days of your past define how you live in the present. Don't let those days define who you are as a person. Those experiences don't, having those experiences in your past doesn't mean that God doesn't love you, that God doesn't want to restore you, doesn't mean that you've been left out in the cold. It's a call here, though, to rejoice. Verse 9 says, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the way of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Now, again, he says to rejoice in your youth, even recognizing that your heart should cheer you up and not bring despair into your life. should not be filled with sadness, he says to do what you enjoy. Do what you desire, even. But again, he has to pull back on that a little bit because oftentimes what we desire is not good. It, it will actually bring greater pain into our lives. We desire to go out and play in the street, but that's not wise. And so he does say enjoy life, but know that God will judge. that sometimes you have to, Prioritize, right? God's will. And recognize that your greatest joys are in submitting to Him. As hard as that sounds, sometimes the best thing is listening to your parents. Verse 10 says to remove vexation from your heart, put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Again, here he's his call to get rid of anxiety and let go of pain. It's not just an idea of getting over it, of forgetting what happened in the past, but he's saying you're too young to live in that perpetual state of sadness, to let that constantly dictate your decisions and moving forward. Children, do you understand this? You're not too young to pay attention. You're not too immature to have an idea of what we're talking about here. That there is pain. That there is anxiety. There is, even in your age, there's worries and concerns about tomorrow. Tomorrow. but maybe even more important than you hearing this instruction and this challenge to enjoy bright days in your youth, maybe you need to understand that you have the freedom to do so, that you should feel free to be young here at church, in your home, with your friends at school. You know, it's a side note. You hear a lot of shushing after church, after the service and in the back room. And it's not because we, we want to steal your joy. We want you to be stoic and quiet and just sit still the entire time of fellowship. We actually appreciate the fact that you're enjoying life, that you're running around. It's much better that we are shushing you rather than calling you out of dark despair, right? So we should be thankful for that as adults. But we do recognize that there's another service happening, so I'm not saying you're never going to hear another shush from us, but don't take it in the wrong way. I recognize that there's a time and a place, and we want you to enjoy life, and we want to enjoy it with you. But enjoying life does require that you remember your Creator, even as you age, that's what he's going on to here. Remember also your creator, verse, chapter 12, verse 1, in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few, and those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut. When the sound of grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low. This is one long sentence, one long poetic sentence, verses 1 through 7. And we begin here with this fundamental question, children. Who made you? You've heard that question, and you probably know the answer. It's the first catechism question for children. Who made you? God. God made me. It's not only the first children's catechism question, but it's a concept to remember throughout your life, right? to reflect upon that truth, God as your creator. Every time you walk outside, reflect upon the creation God's gifted you with to enjoy. And while you are young and haven't experienced the adversity and the darkness of aging. Again, he's already talked about dark days just a few verses prior. He's not saying you you don't experience darkness, but he's saying you have yet to experience this negative effect of aging. And they that's what this sentence is primarily about. It's a reflection upon the aging process using metaphorical language, and it's beautiful. It's something to appreciate. Even just in the language here. There's a the guardians in verse 3, where he says, the keepers of the house tremble. The keepers, these are your, your hands, which you used to be able to clench and use for defense. They now shake with age. Strong men are your legs. Right now, you can leap and jump and do incredible things with your legs. You have strength there. You can kick. You can run fast as you age. The strong men are bent. They're crooked. Your teeth are the grinders, the grinders that cease because they are few. These are the teeth that right now you enjoy falling out and you know that they're going to be replaced with adult teeth, but when you're older, you'll continue to lose teeth. They'll be few or fake. And that day is coming. The windows are the eyes that grow dim, right? Our eyesight gets worse. And then in in the in verse four, there several examples here, and the door doors on the street are shut, the sound of grinding is low. I do think this is a reflection upon like the, the doors being our ears, being able to hear, the sound of grinding is low. Even our ability to, to eat becomes, we have to eat softer things. Can't chew so well because our grinders are few. Right, so this is all an image of, of growing old. When people remain indoors, when hearing fades, when sleep becomes fitful so that a bird can wake us up. It's poetry, and it's meant to move you with its use of language. So, kids, use your imagination and think about the effects of growing old. Think about a building that is decaying. Aging tends to decrease your appreciation of life. And so, you will not be able to do then what you can do now. So that's why the call to remember your creator in the days of your youth. Right? You learn to enjoy life more because you know it's fleeting, that you're not always gonna be able to run like this. Aging, again, decreases our appreciation of life, at least the physical experience of life. And so enjoy it now while you can. But when you remember your Creator in your youth and you enjoy life more, instead of looking back with regret, you'll rest in the promise of Isaiah 46, verses 3 through 4. And this is a beautiful promise. If you've already begun to enjoy the aging process, the decaying effects, listen to me, O house of Jacob all the remnant of the house of Israel who have been born by me from before your birth, carried from the womb, even to your old age, I am he. And to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear. I will carry and will save. It's this image of your creator continuing to bear you like an infant, to hold you even into your old age. Your gray hairs, When you can no longer walk on your own, he he holds you up and he sustains you. Reflect upon that even now, children. Know that your creator is with you. And so continue to enjoy life by remembering your creator. Remember him while your minds are young, while your memories are strong. Use them to reflect upon him and his revelation. Memorize his word. You're not always going to be able to memorize things so easily. Take advantage of that. Remember, God, while your skin is still soft and unblemished and you grow to curse your skin. And Remember, God, and appreciate it. Your regrets are few now. Remember, God, when your talents are still raw and your dreams are big. And if you can remember your creator now, when you're older, your decaying body will remind you of the years of strain and toil that the Lord carried you through, and so that even in your old age, you will not curse it. All right, but an aspect of remembering does involve looking forward even to our death, and that's where he closes verses 5 through 8. He's still using metaphorical language. It's still part of the same sentence, but the topic has shifted specifically to death and dying. So, verse five: They're afraid also of what is high, and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms; the grasshopper drags along. This is the older person who's afraid of heights, who's even even a small step it becomes a challenge for those who are older. They become afraid of stepping up or stepping down. So fear of heights increases. The almond tree blossoms. This is a picture of your hair growing white. When walking becomes awkward, like a grasshopper dragging along, that's an image that you only see when a grasshopper is dying. When a grasshopper no longer is able to hop, it drags along. You know it's on its last leg. And so, these are images of, of death, images leading us to dying, and then desires fail. It is talking about aphrodisiacs there, failing to do their work. So, talk to your parents about that one. Verse 6 before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern. This is an image as well of death, this, a lamp that breaks where the light goes out. Or the well, the water well, which feeds us water for life, no longer works. The well is broken. The wheel is broken. You see there that, that language of Of being broken, it's an image of death. Again, verse 7, and the dust returns to earth as it was and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Again, death returns a body to the earth and a spirit to God to receive or to judge. But finally, we have this image of life after death. It's alluded to, but it's very vague even here. Right, you got to go beyond Ecclesiastes to understand more of life after death. And he concludes with vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. This is finally bringing to conclusion what he began with in chapter 1, verse 2. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. It's almost a direct quote here. And in inclusio. he's bracketing all of his thoughts with this point. And Sidney Greatonis says the He gives this illustration. He says, the English pastor, poet, John Don, who lived in the 16th century, he bought a coffin and he placed it in his bedroom. And occasionally, he would actually sleep in his coffin as a reminder of his mortality and of the life of sin that he had renounced. Now, Don's approach was a bit morbid and eccentric And I doubt your parents are going to let you sleep in coffins. But the principle, I think, is a valuable one for all of us, right? It's important that you face the reality of your death, that you recognize that day is coming, and it may be sooner. It oftentimes is sooner than you think. Your life will not last forever, children. In fact, it's quite short in light of eternity, and so prepare for that day. Preparing for death is really about proper living in the moment, right? May the shortness of life spur you into action now, stirring up faith and repentance. Use your energy for the glory of God. Death is no loss at all when you know that you've lived it, your life to the fullest. And so we should keep in mind God's perspective of death. In Psalm 116, he says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. May that become our perspective, and it will if you remember your creator throughout your days, if he becomes central to you. Experiencing true joy in life begins with remembering your creator. And so enjoy the bright days while you're young, Remember your creator as you age, and prepare for death while you can. But Phil Reichen gives a good conclusion to this passage. He says, your creator remembers you. Even if you do not always remember him. The security of our salvation does not depend on our remembrance of God, but on his promise to remember us. And so the resurrection of our Lord ensures the truth of this promise. As Jesus himself taught in John chapter 6, verses 39 and 40, And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life and i will raise him up on the last day so it's precious for your eyes to see the sun but it's critical that your eyes see the sun the son of god and that you believe on him children if you hear nothing else please hear this look to the sun and believe in him and begin rejoicing with anticipation for the day of his return let's pray